Louis Pasteur, the famous 19th century biologist and biochemist, said, chance favors the prepared mind. He said it in French. He was a French dude. But the point was that he attributed a lot of his success to the fact that he had this wide-ranging set of knowledge that allowed him to apply things he learned in one domain to another domain. Having a prepared mind is one way to increase what you might, you might call your luck surface area. It gives you more opportunities to be lucky, and it can have a big payoff. Hi there, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 136 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. Really happy you're here, and I can't wait to share with you some ideas about the luck surface area and how to increase it, how to increase the area of your luck surface, whatever. We'll figure out what that all means as we go through the show. If you want to find the show notes, you can go to secretsofpm.com, where there's lots of information for this show and then tons of information for all the other shows that you can also listen to there. So I suggest you go and check out all the other episodes when you get a chance. Without any further ado, let's get into the discussion about luck surface area. So how do you make your luck surface area bigger? Well, one thing is like Pasteur is that you learn a lot of things. You know a lot of things. If you know a lot of things, you can often be more intelligent in a situation than you would otherwise be. And this is what Pasteur was talking about. He was an autodidact with extensive knowledge in multiple fields, and he was able to apply that knowledge in all kinds of different ways to come up with lots of inventions, including vaccines, for example. So learning more will increase your luck surface area, all else being equal. You're going to have more material from which to work, when you need to solve a problem or address an issue. But learning things can only take you so far if you don't make use of what you learn. In fact, taking action, irrespective of your learning, will almost always increase your luck surface area. It's essentially taking more bets, trying out more stuff. If you don't try anything, nothing will work. If you try a lot of things, and maybe even if not everything works, some of those things will work. But one easy way to take action that you hear about all the time, for example, is building your network. So think about a person, Joe, who has a network of 10 people, mostly close friends, versus a person, Sam, who has a network of 100 people, including the 10 close friends, but also acquaintances and second-level friends. Now, Joe and Sam both need to get new jobs. Who is going to have more luck finding a job through their network? It's kind of obvious, right? Sam's bigger network is going to be much better at helping them find a new job. A bigger network is one way to increase your luck surface area. And this network is good for lots of different kinds of luck, too. A new job, advice on a career, advice on a work challenge, advice on a personal challenge, advice on a restaurant, all kinds of different things. By virtue of the network being large, it's also going to be more diverse, which means more ideas are available from your network. And we all know that more ideas often lead to better outcomes. So growing your network kind of increases the volume of space you take up, and the surface area of that volume is your luck surface area. But there are lots of other ways to grow your luck surface area as well. Obviously, read more and learn things. Have a growth mindset and an open mindset, and those are two different things. And I'll put a link to some information about both those kinds of mindsets in the show notes at secretsofpm.com. As in the case with your network, a large amount of luck is based on at-bats, or simply it's a numbers game. That is, taking action is great for increasing your surface area, your luck surface area. And being open, which is slightly different from an open mindset, is a gr another great way to be. And being open, which is slightly different from having an open mindset, 
is another great way to increase your luck surface area. There's a great example of how being open-minded can help increase your luck surface area. This is based on actual scientific research into human behavior. A group of subjects were given a newspaper and instructions to count how many pictures there were in the paper. And some folks labored for 20 minutes to count the pictures, but others were finished much more quickly. What was the difference? It turns out the breakdown aligned perfectly with the subject's self-report of how lucky they were in life in general. Those who thought they were unlucky took much longer. Those who considered themselves lucky were much faster. Why? Because on page three of the paper, in giant letters, was a message, stop counting, there are 43 pictures in this newspaper. The difference was that the unlucky people, so focused on counting pictures, simply missed this giant headline. While the lucky people, being more open to experiences, so goes the hypothesis anyway, took in more of the situation, enabling them to notice the giant headline and finish quickly. The author of this paper, Richard Wiseman, hypothesized that unlucky people tend to be anxious and anxiety gets in the way of luck and it kind of blinds you. So to be more lucky, you have to be less anxious. Now the good news is that this can be learned. You can increase your own luck. And I've talked about a few methods already. Wiseman himself has a book called The Luck Factor, and he lists four things to improve your luck, four additional things. One of them is to maximize chance opportunities. Basically, put yourself in situations where things can happen. That's, that's what that means. Listen to your own lucky hunches, meaning your own intuition and gut feelings. And you can also work on improving your intuition so those hunches get better. You can expect good fortune. Don't expect bad things to happen. Expect good things to happen, and that means they're more likely to happen. And you can also turn bad luck to good. Now, this is both using psychological tools as well as taking actions. For example, you can always think, well, this could have been worse, and imagine ways it could be worse and feel like, oh, what's well, not as bad as it could be. But you can also actually take a bad situation, lemons, and turn it into a win. Make lemonade. And oftentimes, in a, the middle of a bad situation, there's something positive you can get out of it. So as an example of taking action, I want to talk about me and my podcast. So my podcast creates luck surface area for me. I have this podcast. It's been going on for years. It's got a relatively small listener base. Thank you very much for listening, by the way. But what it does for me is the following. If someone becomes interested in having me as a coach or learning more from me, they'll often try to do some research about me. And obviously they can read my old LinkedIn posts, but they can also go to my podcast to hear how I think about the problems they're facing, and they can hear me talk about those problems in my own voice so they get to know me. So it serves two purposes. They can validate if they like my ideas and my ways of thinking, and they can see if they might like me as a person based on how I communicate on the podcast. And of course, I'd almost forgotten this until I started working on this episode, but the guy who hired me at my current job heard one of my podcast episodes and thought he'd be cool to work with. So my podcast has really worked for me over the years. And I, of course, enjoy doing it. I love sharing all this stuff with you listeners. But it, it has this additional impact of creating luck surface area for me. I also want to talk about one of my very favorite ways to increase your luck surface area that's very highly tactical because it can work really fast, and that is being polite. Politeness increases your luck surface area. Being angry and demanding reduces it. So you know those people who get to the airport and they get upgraded on their flight even when they weren't on the list and they don't have the miles or the status or whatever? 
A lot of times those people were simply polite to the gate agent after an angry and demanding passenger yelled at them. And believe me, yelling almost never works to get an upgrade. So I've been talking about Lux Surface Area in ways that anyone could use. Growing your network, improving your mindset, that's advice for anyone. What if you're in product, though? Well, I have a few ideas. One of them is you can increase your Lux Surface Area by making use of the brains of your dev team. And, of course, your network as well, to be honest. But your dev team is right there and the other folks on the team. You can use your team as a mastermind. You've probably heard that term before, but you might not know the origin of this use of it. In 1923, Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow Rich. In it, he described a technique where a group of business people would get together to help one another solve problems. He said that when the group meeting is structured correctly, it's as though a master mind arises, meaning a mind that's greater than any of the individual minds in the room. Now, I've experienced this in masterminds, by the way. It can be amazing, and it's not that hard to set up a meeting in the mastermind format. But the point is that you can increase your luck surface area, meaning your opportunity to have good outcomes by making sure that you make use of or allow the folks around you to help you out. Now, this is also related to that adage that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you hang around with people who are negative and always assume the worst, then that's going to mute your ability to be lucky meaning to notice situations where you might be able to create or take advantage of a gain. But if you hang around with people who are positive and supportive and always looking out for one another and open to new experiences, then you are more likely to perceive the world as full of opportunities and to be able to take advantage of them. So I did want to mention at this juncture that I have a great opportunity for you to start surrounding yourself with those kinds of people at my weekly Secrets of Product Management meetup. It happens on Friday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific time, if you'd like to attend, it's free and you're invited, but you have to get on the invite list. Go to secretsofpm.com meetup and get on that list. That's the only thing I use that mailing list for, reminding people about the meetup every week. Again, it's secretsofpm.com meetup, and you can join us on Friday mornings. And you're invited to join this week, next week, whatever time you want. I do it every week. Now, another thing about product managers, we're often called T-shaped people. We have wide knowledge overall, but deep knowledge in one specific domain. I actually think PMs are usually pie-shaped people, the letter pie from math. Remember, it's got two legs. That is, we often have deep knowledge in multiple domains. But in either case, the crossbar at the, the, crossbar at the top of the T is really a big part of your luck surface area. So one way to be lucky, of course, is to combine ideas from two different domains and apply them to your domain. Another way to be lucky is to use a skill from a different domain to solve a problem in your domain. And both of these require having a wide range of knowledge and learning. Every new thing you learn has the potential to be valuable in a situation, increasing your luck. So this episode kind of went all over the place. There are lots of ideas. And if you Google luck surface area, you can find another hundred of them. There are just tons of ideas out there. I just shared a few. But I thought I'd suggest a few things that might work, might work especially well for product managers to increase their luck surface area. So first, build your network. You can just do it on LinkedIn. It's pretty easy to do. There are lots of books and articles about how to do it. I recommending, recommend reading one or two of those to get the details and then just start. Connect with people you admire, whose content you like, who seem like they'd be useful to know. In fact, what I'm telling you is kind of against the recommendations of LinkedIn. It says you should only connect with people you know. But the reality is, that's probably not really true. You can connect with people who you are interested in, 
or who you think are interesting or who might be interested in you. So connect with those people. And of course, you can connect with people you actually know. Of course, that's really good. And not just other product managers, but lots of people in all different walks of life. They'll all be valuable in your network. So the second thing I would recommend is create content for the public to see or to listen to, as in the case of a podcast. You know, you can use me as an example or from the folks who are putting out content on LinkedIn or on YouTube. You learn a lot. Your cachet grows in the world. You start to make a bigger impact. Your surface area increases, and your surface area, of course, is the same as your luck surface area. And finally, continue learning, and I recommend doing 15 minutes of reading a day in your field, and because we're in product management, that means you can read nearly anything. Um, and then, of course, apply the things you learn in your day-to-day -day work. That's really important part of the learning is don't just read it, but do something with it. Now, I'll just give you a list of some books that I've read in the past few years that I have turned into action. And these include Drive by Daniel Pink, Decisive by Chip and Dan Heath, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy by Richard Rummelt, Range by David, Ep David Epstein, Badass by Kathy Sierra, of course, one of my very favorite things. I recommend that so much. The Lean Startup by Eric Ries, How to Measure Anything by Douglas W. Hubbard, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. In fact, I've got a little story about Never Split the Difference. I've been kind of off reading lately, unfortunately, due to probably the pandemic and who knows what other, good, what other reasons. But I started Chris Voss's Never Split the Difference. He was the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI for many years, and this book has been super highly recommended. Of course, I'm a somewhat contrarian person, so that means I've resisted a little bit starting it, even though I've had it on my Kindle for on the iPad for months, because people recommended it so highly. I thought, uh, I don't like to be one of everybody. But I finally sat down a few weeks ago, and I got started. And this was after a LinkedIn post that I had done where I said that 15 minutes a day of reading in your subject will will create incredible outcomes for you. So I thought, well, I should actually get back to reading books. Anyway, I started this book, and there's one more thing you should know about me. The books I love to read and read too many of, and when I get started, I can't put them down, are thrillers, like the Jack Reacher series by Lee Child and the Bob Lee Swagger series by Stephen Hunter and the Van Shaw series by Glenn Eric Hamilton. These series are very similar. They all feature an ex-military kind of loner who is all about righting wrongs and protecting innocence from predators, and who happens to have extraordinary abilities in one or two areas. Like Reacher, not only is unbeatable in a street fight, but he's also one of the world's best detectives. He was a military police. He became a great detective. Bob Lee Swagger was the world's best military sniper. Van Shaw was simply an army ranger, not so advanced as some of the other people. It's still an elite special operations group. But he was also trained by his grandfather as an elite safecracker and burglar. So they all combine these different skills. Anyway, this book, Never Split the Difference, starts just like one of these thrillers, a tense hostage situation where our hero saves a day using his wits and skills. And the book is full of these thriller moments. Each chapter starts with a true-life hostage situation where Voss has to overcome some challenge to free the prisoner and get the hostage taker to give up. So obviously, that appeals to my interest in thrillers, so to speak, and keeps me reading. But then the lessons he delivers in this book, well, they're what I like to call product management gold, the importance of empathy, the power of open-ended questions, and many more things. It's just full of great product management advice, even though it's not a book about product management. So getting back to my original point, 
Well, I feel like spending that 15 minutes a day reading Never Split the Difference has given me several new tools and some ways to use tools I already had that will serve to increase my luck surface area. Whether it's because I'll be more lucky in negotiations, such as getting the thing I want, or because I'll be able to do discovery better, or because I'll be able to pitch my own interests in a more compelling way, my luck has gone up with 15 minutes a day of reading in my field. So, I'm curious what you do to increase your luck surface area. I'd love to hear. Drop me a comment on the show notes page at secretsofpm.com or let me know on LinkedIn. I'll put links to all the books and things I mentioned in the episode in the show notes. Some great books that I think all product managers should read. So they're my my famous product management books that are not product management books that I recommend to all product managers. If you love the show, please share it with a product manager friend or and make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast service of choice you use. This show is on all of them. Until next time, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.